You're listening to the Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Welcome, everybody. I am Derek. I'm joined by Rich, and it is here. Basketball season now officially feels like it is back. How you doing, Rich? I'm good. A free lunch signifies basketball being back? No. Vague injury updates that gave us no information and lead to only speculation means that basketball is back, at least at least in Sixers land. Uh, before we get to that, <laughs> subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. Also, check out the CLNS Media app where you can find ourselves, B-Ball Breakdown, Real Gem Radio, and Sam Vecini's Game Theory Podcast. And if you can, please do leave us a rating or review. We do appreciate it. It helps us to get out to more Sixers fans. Getting on to the main story of yesterday, of yesterday's luncheon, which was a good lunch. I was, I think of the places we've gone to, that was probably the best one. But more important to you, the fans, they're not really sure what's going on with JoJo. And, you know, basically Brett Brown started off to be able to tell you specifically what I'm expecting to be able to get out of him next week, I'm not able to do that now. Rich, we're five days from training camp. What are they going to learn in the next five days that they haven't learned in the last six months? Um, I, nothing. So, the, uh, I, I thought it was interesting when it was announced at the last minute that Colangelo would be joining Brown for his annual luncheon. I told you even before, I said, this this smells like that Brett doesn't want to deal with constant Embiid questions because that was going to be the topic of the day. It was uh, it, it was certainly not a comforting. No, you, you pointed out the contrast in how they described Simmons' status and Embiid's status. You know, with with hold on, let me pull up because these were some really crazy quotes. With Simmons, it was you know he's. Playing five on five now, he's dominating with the gym. With and, that Embiid, was, it's, and, that, and that was after he said what you're about to say. Like he, <laughs> right. he went going on and on with these vague, lengthy, somewhat <laughs> contradictory updates. He just said, "Ben's playing five on five. He looks great because he he really couldn't talk anymore." With Embiid, he's on a conservative path that will put him on a planned progression to have sustainable on court success. Rich, what the fuck does that mean? Like, when I hear that, when, when you hear that and then you hear Simmons, well, you go, well, shit, what's wrong with Embiid? Like, why, why can you not have a positive update for us on a guy who had meniscus surgery six months ago? Rich, he tore his meniscus eight months ago in January. What's going on? What's going on? And why, now, I'm not even upset that something's going on. Why can't we know what's going on? Yeah. And and to add on, I mean, he's he's not playing five on five, but they're also saying there's no setback. This is part <laughs> of a hyper conservative plan. And like, come on, I mean, this is you know, I I, I was gonna make a poli- I was gonna make a political joke that that I I wouldn't have been able to pull up. But like, it, I'm sorry, this goes beyond being a conservative plan. Like this, this something else has happened, or like, wow, they're just moving about as slow as. I, you could ever imagine. He, they said, <laughs> I mean, it's not about being ready for the first practice or the first game. And he will be out there 
on the first practice and first game. The question is how much, <laughs> how little, if at all. I mean, I have to say it again. Like it's, it just doesn't make any sense, man. And I didn't, I didn't catch that in real time, and I wish I did because somebody needed to call him out on it. But when I when I went back that day that afternoon and I started listening back to it, it's like holy shit, man! Like everything we talk about, Brian Colangelo, you know, double speaking and covering all of his bases so he can't be held accountable later, throwing in that if at all at the end. After what you just said in the first half of that sentence blew my mind. I don't, I don't, if you're confused by it, so am I. So am I. And I believe once Embiid had the surgery, it said in the, in the release with the, all the doctors when they made their statements that he would be able to resume basketball activities in the summer. Now, what that, and, and that largely has happened. Like back in June, he was doing these high-intensity workouts that, you know, he was dunking and shooting threes and running the floor. All you got to do is go to his Instagram to see what he was doing. And in, I'm going to say about August, that stopped. I don't know why. Maybe he just wanted to stop being on social media. But now they're at a point where they don't know if he can play five-on-five. After what we saw from him in June, the fact that he's not ready to play five on five, or the, or they they at least don't know he's ready to play five on five for training camp, is pretty mind blowing. And look, there's still a part of me that wonders, you know, maybe they just didn't want to clear him towards the end of the summer. Maybe once they figured out they were going to hire this medical guy, Doctor Medina, they wanted to get his approval on the plan that they already put in place before they commit to it publicly. Any other organization that doesn't have a history this one does in the last year, year and a half, I'd be, I'd take the optimistic view and go, okay, I can, it still seems like a bit much for a meniscus tear, but I can, I can kind of at least understand the reasoning behind it. But when you have what happened with Jaleel Okafor last fall, where, you know, he, he was on load management, then he had mild soreness, and then in March he was shut down because of the injury he had operated on a year before, when you have all of the Ben Simmons being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back with no real details given on why he's being pushed back. When you have Joel Embiid who had a you know bone bruise which turned into a pre-existing meniscus that wasn't impacting his, his swelling at all to, oh, his swell, uh, meniscus is slightly worse to, oh, we're going to get op- him, shut him down for the season and operate on him. When you have Jared Bayless who, oh, he's fine, he's coming back, he's fine, okay, well, he's going to play through it. And then you just find out, through a press release that he had surgery after the fact, when you have all of this information and all this lack of information you're given in real time only to kind of be hit over the head with as an unsuspecting fan with devastating news after the fact, I'm not just like... Again, I think there's a, there's a possibility. I can certainly see it happening where next week Embiid's on the court, he's talking to the media, he says he's fine, he's playing in scrimmages, and we all forget about this, and this podcast looks stupid. They just right now don't deserve the benefit of the doubt to give us that vague bullshit and have us just be, oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Here's a 7'2", 280 guy with bad feet, knees, and back. Just give us, feed us that vague nonsense. We're, we're fine with it. It th- doesn't work. I don't, nobody is reassured after yesterday. Fool me once, fool me, you know, a, a million times. Like, it's, they're past that point where they they're getting the benefit of the doubt. The, uh, I guess the, uh, I wouldn't call him the winner of yesterday, but at least somebody whose importance was uh, was basically stated out by Colangelo 
This is Dr. Daniel Medina, uh, the guy they hired from Barcelona to uh, to basically, it seems like, run their uh, their sports science or athlete care department. I don't I don't know exactly what he's going to be doing, but it seems like they're really going to lean on him to sort of lay out what JoJo's plan of attack is over the next couple of weeks. It's just. It, and again, maybe they're you know they're just looking for as you said like uh, the thumbs up from him. Maybe they they know that he's the best guy to push this forward. But I have to say, like you hired the guy a couple of days ago. That's a lot of pressure for this guy. Right. <laughs> it's just it's just it seems like a, a, again any other organization where we haven't been fooled so many times. I could buy it. It just seems like one hell of a convenient excuse. Like, and why did it take so long to hire this guy? I don't know the ins and outs of Real Madrid's schedule. Maybe I, I think Barcelona. Still... Come on. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's My bad. Answer. I've only written it about six times. I don't know the ins and outs of, of FC Barcelona's schedule. I think they're still playing. I don't. I don't follow the sport all that closely. But why now? Why? Why did this take so long? If you felt like you needed that guy in that position, why wasn't this? Why didn't this happen over the summer when he had more of a say on Joel Embiid's rehab and Ben Simmons' rehab, although he's been cleared for a while now? Why now? And and why is this holding up any real information? Why can't Brett Brown plan out his training camp that happens in, oh, by the way, five days? Why is this all being held? It's it's very frustrating. And again, it's frustrating mo- mostly because of past history. But you have to let past past history influence how you react. Like you can't you can't be blindsided forty five times in a row. It's it, anyway. It was the opposite of the media lunch last year, where Brett basically said he's healthy, but we're going to put him on a minutes restriction. Right, right. And here they said, well, we're not completely sure he's healthy, but there might not be a minutes restriction. He might play all eighty two <laughs> right. games. And that was something. He I have the quote here somewhere. Hold on. Uh, oh, control F steep. Nobody cares about this. Okay. It's our anticipation that they will not be as steep, that they may not happen. We do not know that. But I feel like they certainly won't be at the level that they were at this year. And I think he meant last year by that. And that's, that's in reference to his minute restrictions. So maybe he'll be relaxed a little bit. I still think he's not a guy who's going to be playing much more than 30 minutes a game anyway. So at 28, he was playing at the end of last year. That's probably probably about right but it's just more flexibility more flexibility in, in letting him you know go out for longer stints more flexibility and if they're in a very close game if they go to overtime you can go over that I don't expect to ever see a world where Joel Embiid's playing 36 37 38 minutes on the regular that's not just the way we handle these athletes with their their bodies at this point not with the wear and tear that a 7 280 guy's going to have on his joints but it, it it'll be nice to have just a little bit more wiggle room but you're right. The, the contradiction of, oh, we have no idea if he's going to be ready. But hey, maybe no restrictions when he is. Like if if he's not healed, or at least if he's not proven that he's able to go full steam ahead, it's really hard to say that. Yeah. And then he was asked a question about a possible extension for him, for JoJo. Colangelo was asked. And he said it was something that's being considered, and they're basically gonna need to find some common ground. Well, like if if he's really not healthy at this point, I mean, there would need to be a lot of common ground <laughs> right. that would need to be made up from the Sixers' end. Right. If you're gonna tell me 50% of the contract is non-guaranteed, okay, that's a okay. lot of common ground. 
Uh, but that seems a little bit unrealistic. Yeah, it is, um, you know, it's, it's, there's BS in so many directions, I don't know which one to really, really trust. Uh, it is, you know. And look, I, I agree with you. Like, there's a chance, there is absolutely a chance that they're just being, like, extra careful, and next week he'll be playing in most of the scrimmages, and he'll be healthy, and he'll be upbeat. And he will play in the first preseason game, as Clantolo said, by saying he might not play. Um, I mean, there is a <laughs> there is a world where that could happen, but I, it's just we've been here too many times with these vague updates, and you know that just go terrible and, and turn into season enders. That like I I don't think you can take that in any sort of way is good news, what we heard yesterday. No. Nope. Maybe it's not bad news, but it's not good news. No, and I, I think that's probably the best way to put it. All right, let me take one quick moment to tell our audience about Bombfell. If you're like me, shopping for clothes probably isn't at the top of your mind. You might also be like me in that your fashion sense is, well, not really one of your virtues. That's okay. Bombfell is here to make shopping for clothes easier for men. You start off by filling out a simple questionnaire to tell them about yourself, your measurements, your preferences, what category of clothes you're looking for, and how much you want to spend on each item. And you're then matched up with a personal dedicated stylist. That stylist will then put together a preview order, send it back to you, and give you a 48-hour window to make alterations. After that, the clothes are then shipped directly to your door. Try the clothes on, return what you don't want, and only pay for the items you keep. Let me tell you, the personal stylist is a great touch. Because you keep the same stylist for the entirety of your time with Bombfell, they really begin to get a feel for what works for you, making their recommendations better over time. After a couple of orders, not only did I feel like I had a real expert advising me, but I felt like I had someone who really understood what I was looking for. That combination of convenience and expertise makes for an incredibly valuable experience. I've been so happy with Bombfell that I negotiated a special offer exclusive for Sixers Beat listeners. For $25 off your first purchase, head on over to bombfell.com slash sixersbeat. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash Sixersbeat. Bombfell. Open and close. All right, let's move on to something a little more cheerful. Ben Simmons. He was cleared for full five-on-five. As Colangelo described it, he was dominating the gym. And they reiterated that they're going to put the ball in his hands in the half court. Uh, Brett Brown also did say a couple of interesting things, or at least put to rest a couple of debates that happened in Sixers lane. You know, he said that right now the starting lineup, he listed out who he thinks each person is going to defend. And he listed Fultz at the one, Redick at the two, Covington at the three, Simmons at the four, and Embiid at the five. Which, for some reason, there's been a debate, mostly because I think Brian Colangelo said at once that Ben Simmons might defend point guard, point guards. You know, Brett's been pretty against that from the jump. He did at one point say, you know, he could defend threes. Right now, it seems like, certainly with this line of construction, he will be at the four, which I think we've always been in agreement is where he should spend most of his time defending. And then also, he said that Covington is, you know, first of all, he's going to start, and he wants some closing games too. And again, for some reason, this is a debate that happens quite frequently. You know, Dario, Covington, who should start? And it seems like at least for now, that's put to rest. Yeah. Brett's slotting of those players into their defensive roles were pretty much what we've been saying the entire summer. And not just us. I think everybody who has looked clearly at what Robert Covington brings to the team and just... The Dario Saric, despite the fact that he came on strong at the end of last year, 
He unfortunately plays the same position as Ben Simmons. And <coughs> sorry, that's <coughs> that that means that he's gonna have a role off the bench. And we will see. Like it's situational. There there are games that Dario could close, but you know, for now I think that's pretty safely your starting and your closing lineup. Now, as far as Simmons is concerned, and this is something I pointed out in my piece uh, on The Athletic today, it, it's just something that that's built up over time that I've noticed. Brown has been very complimentary of Ben Simmons' defense. Yeah. Like, I mean, when he was hurt last year, he maintained that he was his best defender at training camp before he got hurt on the last day. And he, he's, you know, he's doubling down now. What did he call him? He called him, like, an elite multi-positional defender, and yeah. right off the bat, he's going to be really good on defense. Like, and, and that sort of perked my interest because, like, as we said, as, as far as from, like, a playmaking standpoint, from a block steals and rebounding aspect, Simmons, his numbers were really good at LSU. He uh, He definitely made some plays happen. But when you watch the tape and some of the, some of just the lazy possessions. Now, part of that was that he was in a really bad situation. There weren't many other good defenders on that team. He was having to play center in, like, this yep. lazy 2-3 zone from time to time as well. But, like, he didn't really exert all that much effort on the defensive end. He, I mean, his rotations were bad. He never got in a defensive stance. Like, all the things that, that it's going to take to be an elite multi-positional defender, he didn't really show. And, I mean, Brett basically was like, look, this guy's going to be a really good defensive player from the jump. And I, I, I think that, that'll that be interesting to track because, like, that's that's asking a lot of Simmons yeah. right, right away. And no. I will say, too, like, if he's good right away and then beat us healthy, I know we're, we're in the double if category <laughs> there, uh, they could be a really good defensive team. Oh, I mean, if, if, if he is what Brett Brown is making him out to be with Covington and Embiid on the court together, and even a guy like Fultz who at least kind of like Simmons can force turnovers and get out on the break, they could be an elite defensive team. Yeah. That being said, those ifs, I'm not I'm not buying right now. I'm not, <laughs> sadly, I'm not buying either of those two ifs, and I, I really want to buy Embiid's health. But, I mean, like you said, he certainly has that quick twitch in him where he can, you know, he, he has, you know, movements that very few people have. He has his quick hands. He has anticipation skills. He can do all of those things. And like you said, LSU was kind of tailor-made for a guy like him to take plays off and to space out defensively. Like that 2-3 that zone, like you said, he, he should not have, I mean, he should have been in the middle of it because they had nobody else, but that's not his role going forward. But man, he he just his fundamentals are not there. His attention to detail is not there. His consistency is not there. And I kind of wonder if Brett is maybe trying to, you know, really motivate him out of the jump, really telling him, look, we know what you can do offensively. We know what you can do with the ball. We know what you can do in transition. But you can be great at this, too. You really need to focus. And I'm sure in the first part of his NBA career, that's going to be, if not the primary focus for Brown, one of the primary focuses for Brown. But, look, when Brett said last year, we're going to run our offense through Embiid, and we're going to go to him late in games, I thought, you're nuts. Like, you're you're out of your mind. Not because I didn't think Embiid had that kind of talent, but he hadn't played basketball in two years. He didn't play that role at Kansas. 
He was really turnover prone, and, and one of those two things carried over. But he came out of the gate, and he was much more of what Brown described than I ever would have thought off the jump. Maybe that's the case with Simmons. Maybe Brown sees what we didn't. Maybe Brown can get him, knows that he can get him to buy in in a way that he never has on that end. But it certainly is quite a big ask. I mean, Embiid was standing, too. I wouldn't ask a rookie to be a great defender right, right off the bat. Like, like they're going to make mistakes, too. Now, and this is an important point. Like, Simmons and Fultz are two different types of rookies. Simmons, I, I'm expecting more from Simmons in terms of being able to handle the physicality of the NBA. And, I mean, just little things like he's been through an NBA season, so he knows how to prepare himself. And it seems like from a physical standpoint, he's there. And and that's the good news from yesterday, right? I think we're sort of bearing the lead here with Simmons because I got on a, a tangent about his defense. But the fact that Colangelo said that he's tearing up the competition like in the gym and he's 100%, that's great to see. Because I, I think like a lot of the time last year, Simmons' injury got lumped in with Embiid's. Like, oh, well, what type of restrictions is Simmons going to be on? And really, he didn't have the same type of injury history as Embiid. It, it never made sense. That that was sort of a freak injury, and it, it just – there really wasn't the type of sort of history to, to worry about Simmons with. So the fact that he's back to 100% and is going to be the athlete that we saw at LSU – I mean, God, Brett was calling him Usain Bolt running the floor yesterday, right. and I, I believe that. Like, you know, he – He's going to be a ton of fun to watch in transition. Um, he also he also downplayed his jump shot a little bit. He said, "Like, look, we're we're focused on him finishing around the rim and uh, working on his free throws. That's fine. Like for now, I think the jumper's a big deal. But the fact that Ben Simmons is healthy and looks like he's playing well at in the Sixers workouts that's qualifies as pretty good news. Oh, no doubt. I mean, look, if we if we get to you know, October, what, 18th, I think is their first game. They'll play opening night. If we get to October 18th and Ben Simmons is healthy and not on a restriction, Joel Embiid is healthy and playing, I'm absolutely on cloud nine. Like, all this complaining that we may have done about the vague injury updates, that's fine. I'll move past that real quickly uh, until it happens again, which I'm sure it will because that's the way this organization does things. Um, but, yeah, you're right. That That's the big news. We can debate, you know, the importance of his shooting. We can debate... And certainly I think finishing around the rim is something he has to work on, and I'm, I'm glad they, they are working on that. But we can debate the shooting. We can debate his defense and his day one contributions on that end. If he's healthy, things are great. Just get on the floor. Yep. Which I feel like is the mantra we've had for the last five years on this team. Uh, but one day we will – no, we won't. We'll always worry about that. All right. Um, there's something else about Simmons I wanted to bring up. Ah, well, screw it. He did mention at one point, Brown, that one of the things he believes with Simmons, he's less worried about Simmons' shot, more worried about the people he puts around him. And he specifically said he doesn't think he can have another non-three-point shooter on the floor along with Simmons, which, of course, had forced somebody to ask about T.J. McConnell, at which point Brown you know, immediately flipped and said, how, How can you not play, not play TJ? Yeah, he taught, he really sounded like a proud parent. Uh, it was, on the one hand, I think a lot of what we expressed on the last podcast, which is it feels absolutely absurd to not have TJ in your regular rotation, or at least as your backup. You know, I think what, the way we framed it was in the top nine of the rotation. 
But on the other hand, Brown really specifically said, I don't think we can have another non-shooter on the court. It was a little bit of a weird dynamic. Yeah, and I mean, he also talked up Bayless and the great summer he has supposedly had and his shooting ability and and what that type of skill set can, how that can mesh with Simmons. I mean, basically, and look, I'm not too worried about this, but if you add up all of what Brett and Brian said yesterday, the Sixers are going to play 11 guys, like at least 20 minutes per game, which that's not going to happen. You know, there's, and he said this too. He said that the gym is going to, is going to help decide it. Basically he's going to say what, what I see in practice and early in the preseason is going to decide the rotation. But like, I mean, when he specifically said, how can you not play TJ? You just answered why you can't play him. Right. He can't shoot and he's not going to have the ball in his hands. And like, look, um, TJ's defense, I, I think, is certainly better than a lot, basically all of the Sixers point guards. It's, you know, it's not at this crazy elite level, but he's at, at least an average defender at the point of attack. Probably a little better than that, to be honest. So and the other guys hell. Yeah. That's how I describe TJ's defense, annoying as hell. Yeah, and, and he's good at that. Uh, and that that's a big part of his appeal. But it's just the worry is the trade-off on the offensive end. It's like how can this guy contribute if he doesn't have the ball in his hands? Because he's proven to be a pretty good playmaker. Obviously, the Sixers' offense hasn't been great over the past couple years. That's not necessarily all of TJ's fault. But if you're taking the ball out of his hands, you're I, I'm not sure how he contributes. Like if Ben has the ball on one side and TJ's standing on the other, like where is he standing? 15 feet away from the basket? Like. I mean, the level of spacing is going to be a huge deal with Simmons and Fultz. And when it comes to TJ, like, there's a worry that he's going to absolutely make the floor more crowded for those guys. Now, I'm not – and by the way, like, it's like you said. It, I'm not, like, married to the idea that TJ will never play. Like, he he has this intangible quality that the team just seems to love, and he plays good defense. There are ways to get him on the floor – but that's certainly a concern. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, and it, it also brings then into question how much you can play Justin Anderson if he hasn't made significant yep. progress on that jump shot. And I do think that backup wing rotation with Anderson, you know, that we talked about last time with Anderson, TLC, Stauskas, even Korkmaz a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, especially in this world with Simmons, with Embiid, where shooting is so important. Because, I mean, look, that's been uh, outside of uh, that one brief stretch at, at Virginia. That's been a real problem for Justin. That's been a real problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, now he's he's lucky that he plays a position where there's less depth than uh, – or not – yeah, less depth, but not a, uh, not a core, one of the three core building blocks on the team. So maybe he can find a way to sneak a few more minutes. But, yeah, like, I mean, Justin Anderson, who I think – is still a pretty intriguing defender. Like, I mean, he's been a 30 or sub 30% shooter his whole career. Now, I thought he played pretty well at the end of last year, but look, I mean, you know, with Ben Simmons, like, he's going to get you the ball and you're going to have open shots. And if the other team doesn't have to respect you, like, yeah, I, I think there's a chance that somebody who might be a worse player in a vacuum than you 
there's a chance where that guy can steal your playing time, whoever that is. Yeah, it does. It's uh, it's weird that we're talking about a position that has J.J. Redick in as a spot they're not really settled in. Uh, not being settled back in the day used to mean Elliott Williams. It's It's been a pretty drastic turnaround. All right, we'll wrap up the pod in a bit, but before we do, a quick word from Harry's. I've been a proud Harry's customer for almost a year now, first starting off with a free trial set, but now refilling my blades and ditching those overpriced brands you'd buy off the shelf. That's the heart of what Jeff and Andy set out to accomplish when they started Harry's, a great shave at a fair price, and that's why over 3 million customers have already switched. Harry's offers great quality as Jeff and Andy bought their own German factory with over 100 years of blade-making experience, and they offer them at a great price, selling blades directly to you over the internet at half the price of competing brands. If you give Harry's a chance, I'm confident you'll be impressed as well, and Harry's is here to offer you a free trial offer, a $13 value you get for free when you sign up. You just cover shipping. Your free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. To get your free trial set, go to harrys.com slash sixersbeat right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash sixersbeat. All right, back to the pod. Jaleel Okafor, it sounds like he's not ready, or at least that he's not cleared for five on five. Is that your understanding? Yeah, I mean, they lumped him in with Joel. Yeah. So. They're going to find find out what they can get from him. Direct quote, soon I will be sitting down with him and his staff to get a roadmap on both Jaleel and Joel on what I should expect in relation to creating training camps. So we'll see about that. I don't believe that anybody addressed whether or not Covington has been cleared for five on five. Was that was that even brought up yesterday that you recall? That wasn't brought up, but I'm pretty sure at one point one of the two of them said he was flying around the gym. Yeah, yeah, he so. did. I would I would imagine he's probably ready to go. Here. Then again, it seemed we would imagine Joel was probably ready to go too because he was flying up and down the gym too. So who knows with this squad? But a lot of <laughs> lot of uh, question marks going in the camp, which seems to be a running theme. Any other major takeaways that you had from that uh, from that luncheon? I guess one other thing that that which ties directly into all of the question marks. You know, Brett Brown basically announced that he wasn't going to be providing injury updates before and after games. Uh, they were going to come from press releases from the team, and then on major situations, surgery-type situations, they were going to then bring in Dr. Medina, which brings up the question, well, if Brett's not addressing injury questions and Dr. Medina's only addressing major surgery, what happens, like, when we want an update on uh, how's Joel progressing to a return or how's Bayless progressing to a return or what's the status of it? Is he feeling any pain? You can't ask a press release that, and if they're not going to make Brett available, there's really nobody that we can go to. Yeah, and I mean, you can tell Brett's just tired of of providing updates, which I'm not sure most most of the time. I'm not sure he completely has the full understanding of what's going on. I mean, I'm sure they brief him, but I mean, the guy's got to coach a basketball team too. So, like, well, the problem is he's the only one that's ever made available to the media on a regular basis. Yeah. So if I mean, we can't talk to. Yeah, and this isn't fixing that problem if yep. you're not if you're not having anybody replace him in that role. It's uh they, they really there's almost a disdain among that organization to provide any updates to even be asked about the status of players. It's a little awkward, and with a fan base that doesn't really trust their willingness 
or the accuracy with which they update us anyway, not being able to have anyone that we can really ask questions. I don't think that's going to fix their problem, but... You know it's going to fix their problem? <laughs> if Joel Embiid plays 70 games or 60 right. games, right? That, that will fix their problem. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, their, their first uh, chance to prove that uh, didn't really go all over all that well. No, <laughs> it didn't. All right, so we got, uh, we got media day coming up on Monday, training camp next week. Exactly what that means, I don't really know. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's It's... Still, you're sitting there. They have all that cap space, which we all assume is going to go to Covington. That can't happen until, uh, you know, until uh, until November 15th. You have the possibility of an Embiid extension that could happen relatively soon. In fact, it has to happen really within the next three three plus weeks by uh, by October 16th. What, what's your gut on that? Do you think that happens? It mm. seems like Brian was sending out a message when he said. You know, unless there's common ground found, and there has to be common ground found, it almost seemed like he was sending a message out to uh, to Joel's representatives. Yeah, so you probably had it about fifty fifty last time, right? That's what you said. Uh, I would probably have moved it down a little bit after that. Like, it does seem like he's interested in trying to get a discount if if Joel and his camp would be amenable to that. But it, it seems like they're fighting back a little bit, which, like, you know, I, I'm not privy to what the exact conversations are, but they should. I mean, this guy is an amazing talent, and like, look, this could be his only chance to have a major page, payday. So, you know, they're they're not gonna like completely. You know, this isn't like Tim Duncan signing for his last year in San Antonio. Like, you know, this is Joel's chance to really cash in, and I mean with. His talent level and his injury history, it makes these negotiations, you know, you know there's a lot of high stakes here. And, uh, yeah, it seems like Brian, on, on the same token, like he, he does not want to commit money to somebody he knows might might be injured for a lot of the time. So, yeah, I think he's, he's trying to fish for that Steph Curry deal, whatever yep. that is. Yep. Yeah, and I've said before, I think that might be – more likely to be a max type deal with a portion of that unrestricted than just saying, okay, I'm going to set my ceiling of my earning potential at $18 million. I'm not sure Joel Embiid's representatives are going to agree to that, but I think if you can play around with the guaranteed amount, that might be the way to go. But I mean, like you said earlier, there's no chance you go out and you give him a, a max type contract at this stage. So I do agree with Colangelo and that a common ground is going to have to be found. I think that's a pretty obvious statement on all negotiations. But we'll see. And I think if that happens, it'll be right up at that October 16th deadline. All right. Uh, I think that's probably about it, unless you have anything else to bring up. No. I mean, lottery form, but who cares? I mean, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Colangelo was pretty noncommittal. He basically said, you know, I, I think there are improvements that could be made, but I haven't seen the proposal, so I don't really want to comment on if I support it until I see the proposal, which... Uh, you know, it, uh, when's that being voted on? I think that's next week, isn't it? Yeah, uh, end of September. Yeah, so he, he might want to, you know, take a look at that. Uh, running out of time. We all have a lot of thoughts on, on lottery reform. We don't need to relitigate all of those. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's really fixing what needs to be fixed. But, yeah, here we go. We're here. Vague injury updates means basketball season is back. Uh, media day on Monday and training camp on Tuesday really means basketball season is back. And we are now just a couple of, what, two weeks away from uh, 
from the start of the preseason, which Joel Embiid will play some, maybe, if at all. We don't know. If at all. (laughs) Thanks for jumping on, Rich. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. All right, thanks, sir. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co.